minutes, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast, episode 11, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It's great to see all of you. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope you are having a great start to your week. We made it through the first month of 2021, everybody. Everybody give yourself a pack, a pat on the back. Give yourself a nice hug. Hug your friends. Hug your family. Continue to wear your mask. And be happy we made it through the first month. Get yourself a nice bowl of mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. I feel like that's a good one. I don't know anybody. I don't think I've met a single person in my entire life that does not enjoy mac and cheese. So get a nice big bowl of mac and cheese, America. Uh, or or and even, I guess, in other countries. Mac and cheese is a universal love, I feel like. Uh, get yourself a nice big bowl of, of cheesy, warm mac and cheese during the winter. Sit back, relax, and be happy that sports are becoming a vital part of our lives again. Seems like the sports world is more or less finally returning to normal. Um, small steps, baby steps, but returning to normal. I've got a relatively short uh, show for you today. Uh, not really much happened over the weekend. Of course, it's the one uh, it's the one weekend in the NFL season in which we don't actually have football, and that makes it a little bit rough when it comes to sports news. Obviously, basketball is still going on. Hockey has just started. Um, big news in the in, in Europe. The, that Lionel Messi contract is absolutely insane. Six hundred and thirty-seven million dollars. Uh, that contract with Barcelona. Maybe we'll talk about that later in the week. I'm always trying to find different things to talk about on the show, but today we're going to be mostly talking about the gigantic Rams Lions trade that happened on Saturday night. The Rams trading away Jared Goff, two future first-round picks, and a third-round pick to the Detroit Lions for one Matthew Stafford. And when I first saw this trade pop up on my phone, I got the little ESPN notification for my ESPN app on my phone that da 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 pulled it out of my pocket, and I was expecting maybe an update on the Heat game, uh, a final score. It was expecting... I wasn't expecting that. That's for that's for sure. I took a look at my phone and I and I yelled as loud as I could. I said, "What?" Like not in any anger or or confusion, but just kind of like shock. I was not expecting this trade to happen at all, and I think a lot of the sporting world was kind of shocked when this trade happened. Um, so we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of that today. Um, you know, you know what, you know what this trade felt like to me. This trade felt like for all of you sports fans who also play some sports video games. It felt like when, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here. It felt like when you're playing a, a, a franchise mode, a my GM mode, whatever it is, whether you're playing FIFA or NBA 2K or Madden, NFL, NHL, whatever it is that you may be playing, whatever franchise management game mode that there is for that game. This, this to me felt like when you're in the trade finder or trade selector and you're just trying to plug in different things to try and find something that works for the player that you want, it's ridiculous things like you're offering uh, this player and that player, uh, this pick and that pick, just any combination of things, just trying to get the computer to take your trade. That's what this felt like the Rams were doing. Uh, and it felt like they were totally in the mindset of like, ah, you know what? We're we're gonna I'm gonna be controlling the team anyway. We're gonna I'm gonna be playing every single game, and I'm pretty good at this video game, so we're gonna win every single game. We're gonna go to the Super Bowl every single year and win. So eh, it doesn't matter what I do with my two first round picks and my quarterback that's been with the team for however many years. Eh, it'll be fine. That's what this trade felt like to me, and it felt like the 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 CPU team, the Detroit Lions, accepted and 
they got an absolute haul for Matthew Stafford, a quarterback that they were going to have to trade anyway. They already mutually agreed to part ways. Um, it wasn't something that came out of the blue. They mutually agreed to part ways. So the league knows that Stafford and the Lions are going to part ways eventually. So that artificially drives down the asking price, knowing that team that this that this team is going to have to trade away this player anyway. So regardless, I'm going to split this up into two segments. This video that you're watching now, if you're watching retroactively on YouTube, is going to be covering the, the Rams side of things, and then the Lions is going to be in a separate video. But for those of you who are listening to uh, the show on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may be listening to you, it's all going to be one, so don't you worry. But with that being said, uh, the Rams side of things, the Lions again trade Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, that's in 2022-2023, and a third-round pick. Uh, the deal saves about $5 million in cap space for the Rams, which isn't much. So for those of you who are saying, oh, this is to dump Jared Goff's awful contract onto another team. It's like, well, yeah, but you're only saving this amount of money by per by purchasing Matthew Stafford's contract. So it's not necessarily a salary cap dump. It is, it, it is purely, in my mind, about an upgrade at the quarterback position, regardless of money. Uh, and the rest of the deal kind of shows me that the Rams are in that attitude as well, based on how reckless that they are they are with those first round picks. Uh, Jared Goff still has four years left on his $134 million contract. Stafford has two years left on his $132 million contract. I know Stafford signed a couple of years earlier, so the value of that contract at the time uh, was massive, and it's lesser so than Goff's now. But regardless... Look, like I said at the beginning of the segment, it felt like the Rams were playing a game of my GM mode or whatever it's called, and they were plugging in a bunch of, of things to make sure that they got the player that they wanted, regardless of how expensive it was, because they, they're, they're controlling the team. <laughs> they're confident that they're going to win, and that's exactly what happened here. I, I like the idea of the trade for the Rams. They got better offensively. I think Matthew Stafford is a much better quarterback than Jared Goff is. I like the potential combination between Stafford and McVay. That should make you excited if you're more than a casual football fan, if you know about the X's and O's and what Sean McVay's offense is about. That combination should make you really excited. Um, this will allow McVay to try to be able to open up the offense a little bit, maybe try and reinvent the wheel a little bit as well, and more, most importantly, push the ball down a field because if there's one thing that Matthew Stafford isn't lacking, um, it's arm strength. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the things, Matthew Stafford will get a fresh start with a contending team that has a Super Bowl caliber defense. And, you know, this also solves any future complications that you would have had with Derek Goff since he appears to be regressing uh, as the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, we'll see how he does with the Detroit Lions. But regardless, um, I like the idea of the trade for the Rams, but the Rams 100% without a doubt in my mind overpaid for Stafford in this trade. I mean, I, I, I literally screamed when I got the ESPN notification, as I said, um, especially in comparison to what the reports were that were the other offers for Stafford. Reportedly, the San Francisco 49ers offered two second-round picks and two third-round picks. Now, when you listen to that, and you take a look about uh, take a look at what the Rams gave up to get Stafford. That is an astronomical difference based on what the bidding 
was if we take a look at the bidding based on what the 49ers offered for Stafford, which was a much more reasonable price. Uh, don't get me wrong, that offer isn't crazy. And if I'm Dan Holmes, who is the new general manager of the Detroit Lions, I would say, hey, look, you need to give me a little bit more than that. Obviously, that sounded like an entry bid to second round picks to third round picks. But regardless, based on where that is, where that, that trade value is in the ballpark, the fact that the Rams gave up two first-round picks, a third pick, and Jared Goff is absolutely astronomical in terms of difference. Um, and, and, I mean, think about it. If Matthew Stafford, he was a great quarterback, mind you. You know, we spent a lot of the time uh, over the past couple of weeks complimenting how good Matthew Stafford has been in, bad, in, a, in a bad situation. If you take Matthew Stafford, who's a great quarterback, on the downside of his prime, and you get two two first round picks for him. Imagine how many first round picks Deshaun Watson is going to go for. So if there's any clear cut winner in this trade, uh, it's the Houston Texans for not only <laughs> for for not participating in the trade and artificially increasing the value for Deshaun Watson by about three first round picks. I imagine. And, you know, to put this all into context, the Rams traded two first-round picks to get Jared Goff, if you remember. Uh, in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans actually had the first pick in the draft. They traded two first-round picks to the Titans. Those picks became Derrick Henry and Corey Davis, so really good pickups for the Titans. And, of course, the, the Los Angeles Rams got Jared Goff. And so not only did the, the, the Rams spend two first-round picks to get Jared Goff, they're now spending two first-round picks and a third-round pick to get rid of him and his contract. And, again, this isn't a contract issue, ladies and gentlemen. They did not do this for a salary dump because they are only saving anywhere between 5 to $10 million on the cap hit, which isn't an enormous amount. Uh, in comparison to the 25 a year-ish that Jared Goff was getting on the contract. It's just really bad asset management. This, to me, feels like the Rams were absolutely desperate, and the Lions caught the Rams in that desperation and were able to get an absolute haul for this. Um, the, the, the Rams appeared very, very desperate, and they absolutely overpaid. The ideal trade for me would have been Goff... And a third rounder for Stafford, because regardless, if you're trading for Stafford, and especially if it's since it's the Los Angeles Rams, you don't have the money to be able to hold two quarterbacks at that price point on the roster. So regardless, Goff was going to either be going to Detroit or they would have trade Goff in a separate deal. Goff was going to be part of this either way. Um, they could not afford both those contracts. But the ideal trade to me, if I'm the Rams GM, it would have been Goff in a third round pick. And if absolutely necessary, if the if the if some other team bid it a little bit higher, I would have thrown in one first round pick and sacrifice and said, forget the third round here, I'll just give you the first round. And if that doesn't happen, well, you're stuck with Goff for another couple of years. And then you're going to figure it out later. I would not have given that many first round picks away. And this with this trade, this will be how do, how do I phrase this? With this trade, the Rams will be going seven straight years without a first-round pick. Seven straight years, so they won't have a first-round pick. This year, because of the Jalen Ramsey trade from a couple of years ago, they won't be having a first-round pick in 2022 and 2023. The first first-round pick that will be available for the Rams in seven years will be in 2024. Um, so what this does is this puts tremendous pressure on the Rams, tremendous pressure. They need to win a Super Bowl, I would say, in the next two years. 
They need to win the Super Bowl within the next few years before uh, Stafford's contract is up and they uh, can decide whether or not to negotiate. But regardless of whether they renegotiate a contract extension with Stafford, they have a lot more cap issues to deal with than just that. And that's why two years, realistically speaking, is generous for their for the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl window. They have a lot of contracts to try and figure out. Because let's be frank, the Rams are in cap hell right now. Um, part of that isn't due to Jared Goff's contract situation. Obviously, again, and I'm repeating this over and over because the consensus seems to be about, yeah, you know, oh, this seems to be a cap dump for the Rams. And it's like, no, it's not. They're not really saving that much money on this. Um, the Rams are really going to have to make some tough financial decisions within the next few seasons. And realistically speaking, um, I think their Super Bowl window, again, is only open as long as Stafford is contracted, is under contract for the Rams. And I believe he is up from out from under that contract in 2022-2023, if my memory serves correctly. So there isn't really a lot of time. Uh, I think you absolutely have to win a Super Bowl if you're the Los Angeles Rams, and that's the big question is, is this new Rams team with the talent that they have on defense and the emerging talent that they have on offense with a new quarterback, with one of the better offensive minds in the league in Sean McVay, is this enough to take down a Green Bay Packers team, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, or Buffalo? Is it enough? And I think it potentially could be. Defense wins championships. That defense is extremely, extremely good. Uh, you could tell with Aaron Donald crying after losing the uh, in the divisional round to the Packers. This team is hungry. They won it badly enough. They feel like they couldn't get it done against the Patriots a few years earlier, and they want to be back in that spotlight. I feel like the Rams are going to be a hungry team, but again, that doesn't excuse the fact that they absolutely overpaid. And if this doesn't work out, the Rams have really put themselves in a position in which the Rams could be a not-so-good football team for a long while after this two-year Super Bowl window has closed. I mean, it's, take a listen. The, cal the, the, the Super Bowl caliber defense, the wide receivers, uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, uh, Tyler Higbee at uh, the tight end position, and Cam Akers, an emerging rookie running back for the Los Angeles Rams, really was the basically the crux of the offense uh, during that play playoff round. Cam Akers was playing absolutely insane football. And, you know, there's also pressure on Sean McVay, too, as a head coach. I mean, when you think about what the criticism has been for the Los Angeles Rams, it's always been, well, you know, it's, it's been Jared Goff, he's not performing as well, or, oh, the defense isn't playing up to par, or the offense just doesn't seem to be working, and I feel like the blame has not necessarily gone to Sean McVay, it's gone more so to Jared Goff. The pressure is on Sean McVay to win now. Uh, he has got to make Matthew Stafford work, and part of the reason why Goff regressed was because uh, the league figured out Sean McVay's sweep jet offense, I believe that's what it called, the sweep jet offense, something, something like that. Uh, they found they figured out the Rams offense, and when Goff or when McVay had to kind of tweak the offense a little bit, Goff was not able to keep up. So uh, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that Stafford will be able to do the same. Obviously, Stafford's a better quarterback. We'll have to see how that plays out. But there is pressure on Sean McVay to make Matthew Stafford work as well. This combination, as I said at the beginning of the segment, is exciting. But is it worth trading away your future? 
Oh, I mean, it, the, the, I mean, the answer to that really is only if they win. I mean, this is a very black and white. They have to win now. There's no silver lining. There's no, well, at least this happened. There's no, well, you know, I can understand, like, why this didn't work. This is, no, you should be expected to be in the Super Bowl within one of the next two years, and you are expected to win that Super Bowl. That's the only way that this trade play, uh, pays off, because the repercussions are fierce if you don't get this done. As I said... This trade will mean that the Rams will be going seven years without a first-round draft pick. Last time they used it was on Jared Goff in 2016. No draft picks means that you aren't getting good players and good value at good prices. And you're definitely setting yourself up for a situation in which the Rams are going to have to cut ties with a player or a group of players that they really don't want to to uh, try and save money and get out of cap hell. And uh, to have no as and they'll they'll have no assets, no draft picks to try and replace that person. So. The window is the next two seasons. Let's see if the Rams can get it done. I'm really interested to see what you Rams, th Rams fans think about this. Uh, the casual perception, you know, I, I always enjoy reading the ESPN comics because everybody becomes a GM, in including myself. You know, I loop myself into that group of people, but I'd like to think that I have a uh, better understanding of how the industry works and how everything how everything works in that regard. But, re but regardless, I'm interested to hear what your Rams fans' opinions are on this. Did the Rams overpay? I absolutely think so. I think they paid way too much. As I said, my ideal trade would have been Goff in the third rounder uh, because, and, and the, the important thing is, is that the Lions were going to have to trade Matthew Stafford. This wasn't a surprise trade. This wasn't behind closed doors. The league knew that Matthew Stafford was going to be moving on from the Detroit Lions, and you still managed to overpay for him. Uh, that's really risky and reckless asset management. And this puts a ton of pressure on the Rams. They have to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Otherwise, there's no way that when we look back on this retrospectively, we can say, oh, yeah, this was a good trade for the Rams. They won the trade. So on the other side of things, we just finished talking about the Los Angeles Rams side of things. If you're watching this on YouTube and you happen to see this one first, the this this whole trade is being split up into two segments. You're watching the Lions segment now. You can watch the Rams segment on YouTube as well if you click on the channel. And again, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, this is all one audio file. This is all one go. So we just finished talking about the Rams side of things. The Rams, in my opinion, absolutely overpaid for Matthew Stafford. But if you're a Lions fan in all of this and you're on the Lions side of things, I just want to I just want to give you a nice round of applause. I want to give a nice round of applause for Dan Holmes uh, for absolutely getting a massive swindle uh, on the Los Angeles Rams. His his former uh, franchise, by the way, Dan Holmes, who is the new general manager for the Detroit Lions, was an executive. Uh, I don't know if he was was the general manager, but he was a high up executive in the Rams franchise. So talk about talk about you know <laughs> impressing your new bosses while screwing over your former bosses. Dan Holmes gets an A plus in my mind for this trade. I mean, as I said at the end of the Rams segment. The league knew that Matthew Stafford was moving on from the Lions. And when the league knows that something is going to happen regardless of, of, of any outcome, that artificially brings down the asking price. So the fact that the Lions were able to get two first-rounders, a third-rounder, a third rounder, and a serviceable, repairable quarterback, absolutely outstanding. You know, with this trade, the with this trade with the Rams, the Lions have 
put themselves in a position to realistically be playoff contenders in the NFC in about two to three years. As opposed to four or five to even to even six years, if you would have drafted somebody like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson in the draft in April. They got an absolute haul from the Rams for a player, again, that they knew. And that's the most bli- – I, I keep repeating it because that's the most mind-blowing thing to me. They, people knew that, that Stafford was going to be traded. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm praising the Lions front office days after, you know, an entire segment is dedicated to completely trashing the Lions for wasting Matthew Stafford's career. Um, and, you know, it's for that reason as to like, it's for that reason that I made that video that I'm also now being very hesitant in what I say when I say, oh, the Lions can be contenders in two to three years, as opposed to saying they will be contenders in two to three years, because this is the Detroit Lions. And even Detroit Lions fans will be the first to tell me, you and anybody else that they can find some way to scrub this up. They absolutely can. So I want to say that the Lions are now going to be contenders in two to three years, playoff contenders. That is Super Bowl. That's a different story, but at least they'll find their way back into the playoffs. Uh, I'm f- I'm fairly positive that that will happen, but I'm not going to guarantee it. Excuse me. You still need to draft well. Dan Campbell still needs to be the right head coach. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. But as I said, excuse me, once again, uh, Dan Holmes, who is the Lions' new general manager, used to be an executive for the Rams, so he knows Goff well. He knows what Goff brings to the table, so there is that familiarity factor. The Lions aren't just trading for a random QB across the league that they're going to have to learn and develop with. They're still going to have to learn with Jared Goff. Obviously, there's chemistry that's going to need to be made, but at least the Lions kind of know what they're getting with Jared Goff in this situation. And most importantly, they've set themselves up really well in the draft over the next three years. Uh, Not this year's draft, but the 2022 and the 2023 draft are going to be years in which they're doubled in first-round picks. So they have two first-round picks in both those drafts, um, including the third-round draft pick that they also got for Jared Goff. And, you know, they also have a really young, mostly developed and realized quarterback, and they don't have to spend this year's draft pick on a quarterback, I would assume. Now... It's not. I, I haven't pushed it completely out of the realm of possibility, in which the Lions also draft a quarterback this this year in the first round at the number seven slot. I think they draft seventh. I would be very surprised if they do, though. The reason the reason that I would think that they don't draft a quarterback anymore is the fact that Goff still has four years left on his contract. Uh, he signed. He is signed until twenty twenty four. So the Lions, with that move, the spe- specifically getting Jared Goff means that they're more likely, more or less, committed to Jared Goff in this situation, considering how many years are left on his contract and how much he's being paid. You would have to commit, if you're the Lions in that situation, to even take Jared Goff off of the Rams' hands. So the Lions, in my mind, are committing to Jared Goff. I would be very surprised if the Lions draft a quarterback with their seventh overall pick. And with that pick now, at least I'm th- I think they're drafting seventh. Maybe I should just double check that really quick. Pardon me. Yep, they are number seven. So I was I was correct in my thinking. So they have that number seven slot. I think at this point, now they can address other needs. I think it would be very foolish if the Lions draft a, a quarterback after they've just gotten Jared Goff. 
I think that they can probably go after something on the defensive side. Again, the Lions, uh, as we, you know, research has, has, has told, was the worst defense in pretty much every single category last season. 32nd in terms of points allowed, 32nd in terms of yards allowed. So the worst defense. You could definitely use that number seven pick on a defensive player. Um, or you can get a wide receiver as well in that slot. Um, Kenny Galladay is a free agent, and that is going to be probably priority number one if you're the Detroit Lions this offseason is to re-sign Kenny Galladay. He's a really good wide receiver. Goff is going to need people to throw to. TJ Hawkinson, good tight end for Goff to throw to, but he's going to need wideouts in that offense. Re-sign Kelly Gall Kenny Galladay. Get an, an opposite piece uh, uh, op uh, on the other side of the field from Galladay, maybe like a Jalen Waddle if he is still there. Uh, the Lions... Did have the worst defense though, so I can imagine them send them wasting, not wasting, using that number seven pick on Micah Parsons, uh, linebacker, uh, or Gregory Rousseau out of the University of Miami, who is supposed to be one of the best edge rushing prospects in the draft. Um, they could easily go double defensive with their with their first couple of picks, go Parsons, Rousseau, or even Bearmore, uh, defensive lineman from University of Alabama, and go really heavy on the front seven. Either way. Things are looking up if you're a Detroit Lions fan, and if if you're if if Holmes's first move is any indication and in anything to stand by on what his vision is for this football team and how he's going to go about managing the football team, uh, this 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 could really be good and really prove beneficial to dragging the Detroit Lions out of the hole that they've been in in the NFC North for for eons and eons and eons. And if you're a Detroit Lions fan, please let me know what you think. I'm interested to hear what you guys think. What your what your expectations are for uh, Jared Goff in Detroit with a new head coach, but with a lot more draft picks and uh, with with a potentially a brighter future. So I'm very interested to hear. Some closing thoughts uh, on the trade for the Lions. Uh, really, I don't necessarily know how Jared Goff is going to perform. If you if you has to, had to ask me on my realistic expectations on what I was expecting from Jared Goff, the re my, my real answer to you to be is he's going to be a Band-Aid quarterback. He's going to be just good enough to where he's going to be just good enough to put the Lions where they need to be in order to get some structure around the rest of the franchise before deciding whether or not to move on. You'll hear me use the term Band-Aid quarterback a lot. And Jared Goff is probably the most expensive Band-Aid quarterback in the entire NFL at this point. And it's not that Jared Goff is necessarily a horrible quarterback. People want to knock him for regressing over the past few seasons. And yes, that regression is real. That is a valid, realized concern slash complaint that this quarterback, Jared Goff, is regressing. He's not worth the money that the Rams were paying him. And I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. But the, you can't also ignore the fact that Jared Goff did enough with the Rams to put them in the Super Bowl. Yes, he rode the defense. Yes, he had Todd Gurley, who was a touchdown machine that year. But he did enough as a game manager to put the Rams in a position to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not going to say that he's going to do that with the Lions. I think he probably won't do that with the Lions. 
But I think he'll do enough as the Lions QB. He's a good quarterback. He's in terms of accuracy, in terms of game management. He's a good quarterback. He's a band-aid quarterback. And who knows? He might surprise the Lions. He might surprise everybody and have a really great season over the next couple of years. And if that's the case, then all the more power to the Lions for making this trade. Uh, and all the more power to Goff for turning around the perception of his career. But realistically speaking, based on what we've seen over the past season or so, the the odds of that happening are not necessarily likely, which is why I call uh, Jared Goff a Band-Aid quarterback. The most expensive Band-Aid quarterback in the league, but something somebody that can hold down the fort and be serviceable to really good anywhere in that ballpark, either serviceable to really good with the Lions while they use the the haul that they got for the Rams and potentially some other uh, draft picks as well on uh, uh, with what they've did in their moves during the offseason last couple of years to build some kind of structure around the team to make them contenders in the next two to three years. I still stand by my statement that the trading for Goff has accelerated that cycle or accelerated that rebuild by a couple of years, two to three at the most, because you know what Jared Goff is more or less. You don't have to take a flyer on a rookie quarterback as good as this draft class is going to be for quarterbacks. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but as good as this draft class is going to be for rookie QBs, rookie QBs are still question marks. Even even Trevor Lawrence is still a question mark. You know, he's he's supposed to be one he's supposed to become one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. That's a lot of pressure on the kid, obviously. But even with as much of a guarantee as Trevor Lawrence appears to be, it's still a question mark. Busts do exist, ladies and gentlemen. So instead of taking a flyer on a rookie quarterback, you have something that's realized in Jared Goff. Again, he's probably the most expensive Band-Aid quarterback in the league, but he's a serviceable to really good quarterback that will allow the Detroit Lions some time and, uh, and give the Lions the ability to build a team around a quarterback instead of having to start from a quarterback uh, first and then build the team around him. And, of course, that rebuilding process uh, for most teams, Teams. Obviously, there are some teams like the Miami Dolphins uh, that rebuild, that have managed to do a, such a quick turnaround under Brian Flores, uh, but most teams rebuilding takes anywhere from four to six full years. So uh, that's my full thoughts on the Matthew Stafford trade uh, from the Lions perspective as well. Again, Lions fans, let me know how you're feeling. Uh, I would be relatively happy if I were you guys. Uh, I think I would still be see sad to see Stafford go, but wish him the best. But Lions fans, tell me how you're feeling. What do you think about the trade, and what do you think about Jared Goff as your quarterback? Um, moving on to the, well, not necessarily moving on from the trade, but just general thoughts. Like I, before the show this morning, I was thinking, wow, okay, so Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford are two really big quarterbacks that are now off the board. They're off the board completely. There were two question marks in this this QB carousel of an offseason in which. We were all were saying, okay, these guys could potentially be on the move. And instead of just being released and moved to another team, they swap teams with each other. So, you know, those, 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 the, the, the repercussion of that around the NFL is like, well, now there's this kind of open landscape. Obviously, there is Deshaun Watson, and that's the biggest name on the market on right, uh, right now. Um, despite the Texans saying that they're not interested in trading. Uh, Deshaun Watson, which at that point, you know, that's 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 the realization that the Houston Texans are fully prepared to go to war with Deshaun Watson while also artific artificially increasing the asking price even more so, even exponentially more than the price has now risen thanks to the Matthew Stafford 
and Jared Goff trade. The Houston Tech, the Houston Texans got absolutely lucky with this. They got so 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 lucky that this trade happened before the the the, the Deshaun Watson trade. They are so lucky that this happened because if this didn't happen uh, before the trade, they definitely would not have gotten as much for Deshaun Watson. Obviously, the asking price for Watson is going to be high already. Uh, first Three first-round picks, probably at minimum. But now, with the fact that Stafford, who has gone for two first-round picks and a third-round pick, plus a, a swap of quarterbacks, Houston got lucky. Now they have the power to say, "Well, look what the look what the Lions got for Stafford. This is what we expect to get from you guys for Deshaun Watson, who is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford is." And in that respect, the Texans got absolutely lucky. Um, but they are still saying that they don't want to trade Deshaun Watson, and it irritates me because it's like, okay, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to drag this out? We know that you're going to trade the quarterback. There is no reason for all this extra drama and damage that is going to be caused to the locker room by you saying, no, we're not going to trade the guy that is, that rightfully is disgusted with our franchise and wants out from the team. It's so frustrating to me. Like, uh, I, I mean, I understand what they're doing. Make no mistake about it. The Houston Texans are using this opportunity to drive up the asking price, saying we're not going to trade that player. It would take a gigantic offer for us to even consider trading that player. When the reality is, is that Deshaun Watson has the the franchise by the balls at this point, and is not going to let go until he's traded. He has that power. He's one of the few players in the NFL that possesses that kind of power with him, um, and it's it's a power that we have never really seen in the NFL. Uh, only a couple times. Um, up until this point, obviously Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell had that kind of power. Uh, I, you know, talk about some of like the, the QB swamps early in the 2000s where Eli Manning basically um, w- forced his way out of San Diego on draft night, you know, and then going to the New York Giants. There's very few cases of power in the NFL when it comes to the player like that. And, you know, the fact that Deshaun Watson has the Texans by the balls, it makes it so frustrating and just uh, eye-rolling to me that the Texans are legitimately preparing to go to war with the Deshaun Watson for the sake of, if, if, if any reason at all, to drive, up the, to drive up the asking price for Watson. And it's like, but you're going to go to war with this guy who's clearly over it. You're going to damage the locker room even further because there are more people that feel like Deshaun Watson does. And the fact that you're dragging this out is going to have more damage than it is going to cause more damage than it's going to cause good. Because even if you do use the fact that you're saying we're not going to trade Deshaun Watson to drive up the asking price and and force teams to pour more onto the trade offer and you get more from it with Deshaun Watson. The reality is, is that there's more players in the locker room that feel like Deshaun Watson does, and they're going to see that and try and force their way out of Houston as well. And it's just going to be an absolute mess. It's going to be a drama fest and it's going to be ugly. And I, I under, like I'm saying, I understand it, but I don't agree with it. I think it's just a, it's incredibly petty, and it, it's basically showing you everything that you need to know about the Houston Texans at this point in terms of, um, you know, what the, what their franchise philosophy is. It's like, it's you're you're going to, I don't know, I'm trying to find an analogy for this. You're going to burn down the barn to get some to 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 get some new space to build 
Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing that I can really equate it to at this point. It's just I, I disagree with it. Um, and yeah, Deshaun Watson is, is going to be in a war with the Houston Texans, and I, I really just wish that you know the Houston Texans wouldn't be doing this, and they don't necessarily have to do this because they got again they got so lucky that Stafford and Goff were traded before he, uh, you know they traded Deshaun Watson because because of what happened in that trade and because of the Rams overpaying for Stafford. Now some unlucky team, uh, unlucky. Obviously, whoever gets Deshaun Watson is going to be much better off as a football team, but whoever trades for him is going to have to give up much more than they previously would have. Um, and to that point, it seems like senseless drama in Houston now, saying that they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson to just drive up the asking price even more. And it just, uh, again, it's an eye roller. Uh, it, it, it's upsetting. <laughs> um, yeah. If if you're if you're a player in Houston and you're seeing this, you would be wanting out as well. But on the other hand, it's like, do you really want the drama? I might as well just, might as well just just retire. <laughs> I'm specifically all right. The, the player specifically I'm talking about is is JJ Watt. Like if I'm JJ Watt and I'm seeing this and I'm like, I'm retiring. I've been hurt way too many times to put up with this franchise's BS. And even if I try to force my way out, they're just going to not want to trade me anyways. And uh, it's going to become a big rigmarole that is just unnecessary. But regardless of that, um, you know what kind of what kind of started the rant? Uh, I'm going to move back to now as well. Is, is is that it's like where does the NFL go from here? I thought that Indianapolis Colts were going to be trading for Stafford, and I was a little gutted that my prediction didn't come true. Um, I'm not unhappy that I'm wrong. You know, I'm going to be right some days. I'm going to be wrong other days, but it's like genuine. Generally, it's like now there's a bunch of NFL teams that are in need to quarterback and the market is kind of just frozen at the moment. Like again, as I said, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford moving were two big pieces that were going to be on the move that have swapped teams. And now the market appears to be frozen. I mean, you think about Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson, and like who else? There's there's like nobody else. Uh, Carson Wentz, but appears to be, but appears to me like the Philadelphia Eagles are sticking with Wentz, so he's not necessarily on the market. So, it's going to be Garoppolo, Watson, and whoever is going to be trading with those teams, uh, and then just a list of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Trey, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. Um, to, to, those, those are like six or seven good rookie quarterbacks right there. And they all could go in the first round potentially, uh, big Ben is appearing to resign with the Steelers. So that's another quarterback off the list. It's like, so it's like for all those teams that now need a quarterback, it's like your options are basically now in the draft. Um, it's like, where do you go? If you're a team like the Indianapolis Colts, who are a team that is contending, and now you either have to draft a rookie quarterback or you're going to have to pull a quarterback out of your butt that is not as good. Yeah, there's Jacob Eason who reportedly rep reportedly reportedly is having ma making major strides in the Colts organization, but it's like is that enough? Do you have enough confidence in him who has basically no NFL game experience to go and lead your franchise forward? 
to be the contending team that you want that team to be. So then it's like, well, then you go with a rookie quarterback or maybe somebody like Gardner Minshew, who is not the best quarterback in the NFL, um, but he's a, he, he's an okay quarterback. He's a, another Band-Aid quarterback that can get you through the season. But again, if you're a team like the Colts, it's like do you, you, a Band-Aid quarterback is not going to elevate you to the levels that you want to be for this season. So... There's a there's a big freeze. There's a big hold that's going to be unfrozen whenever Watson gets traded. Um, so I mean, whenever whenever that unfreezes, that's going to be uh, very interesting. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what team makes what move where because I I was expecting Goff to move. I was expecting Stafford to move. I just wasn't expecting two quarterbacks to go in the same trade if that makes sense. I, w- I wasn't expecting it to go one for one. I was expecting, you know, maybe a team like the, it, using this example of what happened, it's like Stafford goes to Rams, Goff goes to 49ers, 49, Garoppolo goes to New England, uh, and then so, and then somebody somewhere along the way is getting a quarterback in the first round of the draft and then going from there. But regardless of that, uh, that's pretty much the show, everybody. I had to take a little bit of a break in, in the middle of it to uh, fix an issue. That was happening, but other than that, I had a great time talking about the trade today. It's a really interesting trade. Uh, the Rams definitely overpaid. The Lions got better, and they have a lot of options moving forward. And uh, the Texans are going to go to war with Deshaun Watson, and uh, uh, it's irritating. I don't like that they're doing it. <laughs> I just w- just trade the man. Just stop all of this. Uh, although you know the media, we're vultures. We eat all this drama up. But uh, thank you for watching uh, episode number eleven of the Hard Headed Sports Podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a fantastic fantastic Monday. I will see you all on Wednesday, but until then, stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.